Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Ah, fuck! Ah, fuck, I forgot to save. Hello, everybody! Welcome to the first episode of Fuck, I Forgot to Save. This is a podcast where we talk about video games. I'm your host, Knack, and with me are three good friends. Gus, how you doing, Gus? Doing pretty good, Knack. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on board. Uh, Daniel, welcome. How are you doing? How are you doing, Knack? I'm, I'm excited to talk about Hades on this Hades-based podcast. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. I'm doing well, thank you. And Sam, how are you doing, Sam? I'm doing very well. Cool. So we decided to start a video game podcast. Um, thought it was an untapped market. So here we are. <laughs> First video uh, game podcast. Yeah. The Mark greatest video game podcast. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of take this thing one step at a time, test some things out, experiment, and uh, hopefully we come up with something that you will find interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess we'll start today with talking about what everybody's been playing. Gus, why don't you go first? What have you been playing lately? Sure. So about two months ago, I got a brand new Xbox Series X. Uh, managed to pre-order it somehow. I don't know how, but I was able to do it. So I've just been pretty much, you know, perusing the the xbox store and just trying out new games for it um so i've been playing basically three games over these last couple of months i uh, the first game that I, I guess i'm gonna talk about is assassin's creed valhalla which i basically got as a kind of like uh this was like the next can I, gen can I ask a, a dumb question sorry what tier sure. xbox new generation xbox is that is that the top tier yeah so the series x okay. is the Top of the line, $500. There's two versions. I guess I'll, I'll talk about real quick. There's the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. The S is like the entry level. It's $300. It has no um, disk drive. I believe it's like 512 gigabytes, um, but it's cheap. You know, $300 is the price of a Switch, and it gets you into like that kind of next-gen market. Um, whereas the one I got is the uh, top of the line, $500 version. Um, it's a big tower. It's a big black tower. Kind of looks like a PC. I kind of like the look of it, actually. It's it's very monolithic. It's very powerful. Um, but and it's actually not as big as I thought it would be compared to like the PS5, which I heard is like massive. Um, so I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, it's a beautiful game. It, it really does kind of showcase uh, um, the next gen um, kind of uh, power of your new your brand new box. But I don't know about that game, like. There's nothing that I actively hate about it. Like every, everything, mm -hmm. like mechanically, is is fine. <laughs> like it's like a good start to review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I'm not I'm not in love with this game. Um, it's there's a lot of game here. It's like a massive open world. It takes place in um old England, I suppose. Is is the like you're a Viking. It's a Viking era. You're you're going to England. You're kind of pillaging uh, little villages along the way. Um. Uh, it's again it's a great looking game the combat's pretty good the story well the story is split into two halves i don't know if you guys are familiar with like the assassin's creed quote unquote lore but there's always like the the like past like kind of like ancient england ancient egypt etc cetera, etc cetera, story where you you 
play as an it's assassin like where, where most of the gameplay takes place mm-hmm. is like and, in those in those past eras uh-huh and usually it's like a standalone thing like every assassin's creed does a clean break from that but then there's like the part that takes place in like the near future uh the animus is is what it's called so basically you play as somebody who's like in a simulation quote unquote and that takes place in the near future and it jumps to well, those they're using I- your genetic memory is the is the fun little yeah. science yeah they have and they're yeah. looking at your ancestors and letting you replay your ancestors adventures <laughs> yeah. your swashbuckling ancestors or in this case your rapist viking ancestors <laughs> yeah so that whole part i have no idea what's going on because that that's actually like it ties into the previous like the last at the very least the last two assassin's creed i have no idea what's going on in that part of the story because i never played the previous assassin's creed i always and felt I like they were kind of like office intrigue and they were always very boring like they were always like oh They're... you gotta move this file to this other room it's a lot of like oh let's look at this pc and and um and look at this email here and, and email. that'll give you yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I a lot of stuff there's another game you in real life (laughs) yeah there's another game that i'm going to talk about that does that which i fucking hate that kind of story exposition but uh again there's nothing bad about this game but it's there's nothing it's like every time i'm playing it it's almost like i'm doing work like i'm doing a chore like i'm kind of just going through the motions uh yeah um the, the, it sounds like it suffers from that open world syndrome a little bit. Like it's it's just like oh here's like seven icons. I got to clear them all by doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I feel like it's they still haven't learned like the post Breath of the Wild lessons. Uh, something about this podcast that you guys need to know about is when I'm talk when I'm going to talk about open worlds, I'm only I'm always going to reference Breath of the Wild because yeah. I always feel like that's the game that like it's a clean break. It's like this is Standard. what open worlds. Yeah, this is what open worlds should be going forward. And yet we're like three years three years yeah more than three years almost four years um that's like since it came out and i still feel like there's a lot of open worlds i have not learned the valuable lessons that that game taught including this one um it's i feel like you mentioned it daniel like i I feel like it's it's a lot of checking the boxes i feel like the world it it doesn't allow you to kind of just organically take in the world Mm -hmm. Right, like it feels like you're just going from one checkpoint to another, um, and it it almost like it it takes you away from like actually appreciating what is a fairly meticulous open world. Like it's it's really pretty. It's uh, there's uh, like nice little towns here. There's a lot to explore. There's a lot of like hidden gems, but it's always like they give you like the, every single like side story or whatnot is a checkpoint that automatically populates, which I I feel like it makes it feel like a little bit more of like you're just going down a checklist rather than just more organically um, taking in the world. Are the activities, are the little activities at least fun? So just, just preface this a little bit. I I played like the first couple of Assassin's Creed games pretty extensively, but then I realized that, yeah, there were a lot of repetitive bullshit and some of it was fun and some of it was not so fun. There was one where the side thing was like rebuilding a little villa in Italy like you and and that was fun cuz you got to like run mm-hmm. around the villa that you were rebuilding um but i noticed i haven't really found a clean place to jump back into the franchise cuz i feel like they all kind of start to suffer from this repetitive bullshit thing so i guess are the little things fun at least or is it like oh collect feathers or do an annoying race or tackle an annoying guy who runs away from you 
I feel like the objectives are pretty mundane. Uh, what is fun and kind of weird is they at that least start detailing such... missions, do they? Where you have to stay in no. certain. Okay. No, I haven't. I haven't experienced that. But uh, what's weird about it is like because the story. Vikings don't tail people. <laughs> yeah, just they just yeah. they just pillage. <laughs> um, what's what's weird is like the story is pretty serious. Uh, it's, it's like a very. Um, um, it's a pretty straightforward story, but you know, it's a story about betrayal. It's a story about um, uh, finding a new home. It's 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 very serious, very grounded. And then these side stories are very like silly. Um, it's like, oh, now I have to go into this house and clean up a bunch of shit, like literal shit that's underneath the house, and you kind of like have to take it out, or oh, wow. you, you you need to like teach this old man a lesson who like likes to fight people. Like it's very like dumb and silly and and very um kind of disconnected from the actual overall story right. i don't i don't mind it like it, i guess it's kind of like a fun escape but it just feels a little disconnected from what's actually going on um i guess they just wanted to have a little bit more fun with it rather than be serious all the time just feels weird is it yeah. worth so is, i guess is it worth it to experience because one thing about the assassin's creed games is those visuals you're climbing up those huge things. There's a real sense of scale. You get up there, you're like, oh, is it worth it for that? Or is it like, eh, you could just watch some videos of that? Well, that's the thing. Like, I I think the world is is beautiful, and I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of times where you're like, oh, wow. Like, you scale up something uh, large, and you kind of see the vista, and yeah, it's pretty impressive. But uh, because the game does not allow you to kind of just take in that world organically, it's a, you're always just following checkpoints. I almost feel like I'm not paying attention anymore. I'm just going mm -hmm. down a road to to an objective. And I again, going back to Breath of the Wild, I think that's that's the main lesson that I think open world should learn that it's you can't just have a bunch of waypoints anymore. Like yeah. you, you, you need to allow you the, 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 like trust your 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 uh, gamer, like trust trust your audience a little bit more, right? Like allow them to be able to to uh, discover this world, take cues from the world rather than just mm -hmm. looking at a map and then and then following the map. And this game doesn't do that. It's still we're still in this like weird phase where some open worlds are learning a little bit of Breath of the Wild, um, but not all the lessons. And I'm looking forward. I I think I am very certain there is a post Breath of the Wild world where we're just going to see a bunch of open worlds that take that cue and and that like take it a step further because I think Breath of the Wild uh, can be improved upon as 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 a, much of a masterpiece as it is. Yeah. This isn't it. This is not yeah. that game, unfortunately. So um, I, I want to go back real quick to what you were talking about regarding the kind of the disconnect in tone between the main quest and like the side quests. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just curious if there is a solution to that um, that will maintain a dark kind of serious tone, or maybe not even dark, but just a serious tone. Um, because I think video games are longer experiences than movies right in a movie you can sit there for a couple hours the entire movie can be serious and dark and you don't really need a break from that because you you know you finish the movie in two hours and that's it right um right in a video game you don't have that luxury as a as a designer um of of being able to continue that dark tone for the entire game and i think that's partially what a lot of people uh why a lot of people found um the last of us part two to be so long 
I wonder if their complaint wasn't actually that the game lasted as long that it as it did. Um, and if it was just the fact that they and I haven't played Last of Us Part Two, but I, I think the biggest complaint about that game was just that it went on for too long. And so anyway, I think that might be what they were trying to achieve by making those side quests uh, with with Valhalla, making those side quests um, levity, like injecting it with. Levity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I don't know if that it's, works in a in a video game format, you know. Well, the thing I, is, is that there's a lot of side quests, like a lot of side quests, sure. and they're yeah. all mainly silly. Like it, it almost feels like, why am I doing this shit? Like I just feel like I'm just this kind of idiot that's doing this stupid <laughs> housework for for yeah. like all these people that just have these like so small domestic yeah. problems. <laughs> like, I, 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 I've I also thought the, okay, so. I thought The Witcher 3 kind of nailed that tone and that sort of thing. I mean, it got away with it a little bit because you were a witcher. So you're literally, your job is to be hired by everybody from people trying to get rid of like the worst witches and demons to people trying to get rid of like, you know, little ghosts. They have a, they have a cold stuff. and they think it's like, you know, works. Exactly. So yeah. you got you got a mix of that. I mean, it, the setting really probably helped with that, but you got a mix of that very dark tone with with sort of the lighter... You know, the peasants were goofy, the thugs who tried to fight you because they thought you were some sort of weird, long-haired freak were goofy because you could knock them out with one punch. You know, it, I, I thought yeah. the tone, I thought they did pretty well with that, uh, which is why I think Cyberpunk probably nails it too. I'm, I haven't played it, but I think the tone probably nails the tone. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that. We'll get that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh... Now that you mentioned it, that was going to be the next game that I was going to okay. talk about because I have <laughs> well, real time before we cyberpunk nails the tone. <laughs> before the we go to cyberpunk, I want to just quickly say I also uh, bought and have started Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm very, very early on in the game. I don't think I've even finished like the starting uh, tutorial area, but it does mm -hmm. give you kind of like a uh, like a camp in the beginning in which you can. Uh, interact with a lot of the NPCs. And mm -hmm. I found that like it gives you a bunch of mini games that you can play at that point. And I ended up playing a few of those mini games and then realized that like an hour had gone by and I kind of that was it for me. I I I yeah. you know, I went on to other things and I hope to get back to it, but I I just there's so much to that game that like I was it's kind of it struck me a little bit as as comical in the nonsensical sort of way that in the starting area, I found myself uh, kind of absorbed into this like dice rolling mini game uh, and then spent an hour with that. And I feel like I, like I don't feel any pull to go back to that game. I want to because I want to see more of it. But but really, like, yeah, I, I don't feel much of a compelling reason to go back to that game especially based on what you've said about it um but anyway i was going to ask though how is the combat the combat is decent um it's a little repetitive one thing that Which, i actually your review is not is basically that this is a don't play this game <laughs> i don't i don't highly recommend it to be honest no. with you i don't yeah. again i don't think it's an atrocious game i think it's kind of just uh decent across the board but as you mentioned knack there's nothing that really pulls you to play it more um i 
one thing that I kind of that's the box quote decent across the board. <laughs> I one thing that I, that um, I thought about when it, in regards to the combat is so I mainly use an axe. That's kind of your main weapon. That's the weapon you get from the very beginning. And then at some point I got a flail. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to use this weapon. And I thought it was kind of neat because it's actually like it changed the combat. It's like, oh, now your um, you're like short attacks or your weak attacks, quote unquote, uh, actually do a little bit more damage. And like your strong attacks take a, has a little bit of a longer wind up. So you have to kind of learn the pacing of the combat a little bit different. Okay. So I was like, that's neat. But then after a while, I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to go back to the X. And then really? it's like, I, yeah, I just went back to that and it's like, oh, same old combat. It's, yeah. you know, I, I understand that Breath of the Wild gets a lot of shit in regards to the weapon de uh, degradation. And I do think like in the sequel, they do need to kind of tweak that a little bit more. I don't think that I don't think they need it to break so quickly. But mm -hmm. one thing that I felt like this game taught me is like maybe there's a uh, like uh, a virtue to it because in Breath of the Wild, like I did learn new weapons because I had to. Like I learned how they mm -hmm. worked. I learned I learned the boomerang. I learned the spears. I learned the long swords, the short swords. Like I learned, and then I was like kind of mixing it in between all of them, and I was doing like these crazy combos. Whereas yeah. this game, it has no weapon degradation. It's almost like once you find a sword that or a weapon that you like, you're gonna stick with that, and it's gonna make the combat more and more repetitive o over yeah. time because it's. Humans don't like change, you know. We we don't like to learn like unless we're forced to. We don't like to learn a new system uh, along the way, even though we may find like fulfillment out of it. Um, yeah. And I think when when developers don't force you a little bit, like don't push you, then you're just you're you yourself are gonna go down the repetitive route. Um, yeah. So it, that's I think, just something. I think, uh, Daniel will probably have something to say about Hades uh, doing a good job of incentivizing using different weapons here in a little bit. But uh, anyway, so anything else on Valhalla? No, uh, nothing else on Valhalla. I, I'm going to touch on these next two games real quick because I know we stayed on this subject a little bit more. But I did play Cyberpunk 2077 on the Xbox Series X. Um, I just very We're going to talk about Cyberpunk a lot more later in the episode, but I did just want to say real quick that the the game does not have the performance issues that you see on kind of the base models. I, I know that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like there's like footage about like it running on PS4 or like the Xbox One. Um, like it's atrocious. It, the, the frame rate is like at two frames per second. Um, it's a bunch of glitches. It, it Then there's still glitches here, but it more or less performs pretty well. But this is actually the, this is still the PS4 slash Xbox One version. This is not the next gen version it's just backwards right. compatible running and taking some advantage of, of of the additional power so there's no frame rate issues or anything like that it does not look good I, I don't think it's an impressive looking game at least this version um i actually think it looks mediocre mm. even for previous ver like previous generations like i think red dead wow. redemption 2 looks a lot better than this game i'm even kind of Want to say Grand Theft Auto Five looks better oh than this game? Like, at really? least the next really? one. It could just be my yeah, memory. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Gus, I maybe have you I played to... The Witcher Three. Yeah, I have played The Witcher Three a little bit. Not, do you not think... a whole lot. So, what? How do you think it compares visually to The Witcher? I know it's like totally the... different settings and stuff. I like The Witcher Three more. Like, I think it's a better looking game. Like that. Uh, uh, 
again, it could just be the setting, like the the kind of like uh, outside in the rain, and you can kind of see like Witcher Three did a really good thing, like when it rains and you see the trees and like every single like yeah. leaf is kind of like blowing and and it's really good looking. I have not come across a single moment in this game, and I've I've only played about maybe 10 to 15 hours but there has not been a single moment where i'm like wow this is beautiful it's just a very i honestly wow. think it's a very mediocre looking game it's okay wow. so far what i played it's okay i feel like i've just been doing combat i i haven't really taken advantage of any of like the sneaking or the stealth or the hacking because it's it doesn't make sense when I can just go in guns a blazing and I'll get what I need. Like the other, the other, everything, every other option just feels like an additional step that I don't want to do because the, the combat facilitates everything for me. Like it, 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 it doesn't incentivize anything else because that, that the combat alone is, is like, I can go into a place, I can kill everybody and I can accomplish my mission. Yeah. And so as much as, 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 much as this game gives you options, the fact that one option just seems so much better than the rest makes me feel like I'm just going to go down that route. So I stopped playing this game. I'm going to wait until they actually do the next-gen update, um, and then I'll go back to it and, and see how I feel. Um, again, I feel bad for the developers. I know that they poured in a lot of work into this, but uh, right now this this game is not impressing me too much. Um, can I ask you an annoying yeah. technical question? Are you using HDR? Yeah. And I've Each... heard that there's issues with that. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking either turn the HDR off or tweak the settings. I know it's annoying because, hey, now consoles are PCs. But I've heard <laughs> that HDR, there's certain settings on HDR that just turn the graphics of a game to shit. So just... just Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure I'll go back to it until there's actually a meaningful update. But... If I do, I'll probably try yeah, that. Turning off HDR isn't going to fix the fact that there are fundamental design flaws in the game. But yeah. well, uh, for Cyberpunk 27, uh, 2077, I heard that there was less uh, developers on it than like than a game of that size should be. That's probably true. I don't know. We'll we'll talk more about CD Projekt Red and and kind of what the what's going on over there here in a little so, bit but i do just want to quickly touch on the last game because i kind of want to make an overall point about my experience with the series x and the the last game i want to talk about is it's a game that came out a while ago but it's uh star wars jedi fallen order um and the reason i want to talk about it is like literally just days ago it got an update uh where on the xbox series x you can now run it either in what's called performance mode where you get 60 frames per second locked um, and I believe it runs at 1440p. And then there's a quality mode where it runs at a locked 30 frames per second, but it's at a native 4K, which previously wow. wasn't. So I was playing that yesterday. It looks fantastic. Um, I'm happy that they made that update. Uh, the game itself is very good. Um, it kind of went under the radar for me, even though I love Star Wars. Um, it is a... Uh, of metroidvania or if you want to call it an exploration platformer um just for the record for for, for those listening into the to the podcast i hate the term metroidvania we'll probably talk about that in a future episode but i'm not a fan of of genres that uh or the names of genres that uh, force you to know about the history of two previous franchises 
So anyways, off that topic. But the game itself is very good. The combat is great. It, it, it's it's uh, very Dark Souls inspired. Um, it There's a good skill tree that you learn new moves. And it really does make you feel like a Jedi. Like it, it's very satisfying to like use your lightsabers to deflect uh, blasters and send them to stormtroopers and killing them that way. The force powers are good. It's fun. The main reason I wanted to bring it up and these last three games is to kind of give you guys an idea of what <laughs> what next gen gaming is in terms of like um how it's optimized for next gen gaming because it's all over the place in, in case you guys haven't noticed so valhalla is is a xbox series x s optimized like it's supposed to be the next gen version looks great i believe it, it it's a fantastic looking game cyberpunk is a backwards compatible game um so it's the it's the uh previous gen version just running on on a new system and taking advantage of some of the things and then this is like an in-between where it's not like an optimized, like there's new, no new assets, there's no new lighting, no ray tracing. They really just up the uh, frame rate and they up the resolution to kind of take advantage of, of the new power. Um, so <laughs> in case you guys can't tell, like this is very different from like what we're used to when you just buy a new console and here's like the next gen version of the game. It's not the the backwards compatible it's it's this like weird in between where games are optimized some games the are partially optimized yeah some games are partially yeah. optimized and some games just aren't they're just backwards compatible and um it's it's weird because now i do think we're kind of like in pc territory and i wonder for a lot of gamers or a lot of previous console gamers that kind of went to console gaming because it was simplified and you kind of know what you're getting if that experience is going to go away now yeah so you think people are going to go more into pc i mean my thinking is why not right other than the price like i do feel like some pc stuff like it's just like the pricing of some of those new cards is uh, like extraordinary like what it's like for what's that nvidia like 800 dollars. like the yeah or not i don't know i'm not a pc uh, gamer. i don't want to go into that 3080 yeah 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 um but in terms of like complexity, it's like we're getting into PC territory, which I'm not a fan of. I, I don't love it. I, I I prefer the reason I am a console gamer is because it was simple to me. I get a box. Here are the next gen versions of that game, uh, and they're gonna look pretty. And that's it. That that's that's what I loved about console gaming. And now I like what you just mentioned, Daniel. Like going into and let's tweak the HDR settings, and uh, like it'll look better if if I turn this down. Those like frames, man. Yeah. Fucking TV calibrator, like fuck that. Like I don't, I don't want to mess with this shit. I just want it to look good. But that's yeah. gonna drive people away from PC gaming because if you think that is annoying, wait until you're you're like, oh, should I overclock this biz notch to get like five more frames? No, don't even. Yeah, yeah. I, it'll drive people away from PC gaming because that is it's that's just a taste of what PC gaming. Has. Have you ever right. overclocked games? Because I've never done that. Well, I'm just saying, if you're a certain kind of person who's inclined to tweak, an insane person has a lot of paths for you. Dangerous paths, in my opinion. Look, I'm a Mac user. I'm a console user. I want simplification. Make it simple, stupid. Work I'm stupid. out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's that's my whole spiel. I just wanted to say that and just bring those three games together. So thank you. Good stuff. Cool deal. All right, Daniel. I think you've been playing. Uh, you said there's only one video game, right? Tell us about it. Um, so every once in a while, there's a game that just captures me in in ways that 
are hard to describe uh, without references to uh, heroin. <laughs> um, <laughs> things like uh, I think things like threes stuff that I just play like incessantly, oh. and I think Hades is is one of those games. Um, it just it. I think it's the perfect game for the time right now. Um, you can play it mindlessly. You can just jump in there, play it mindlessly, pound your way through a lot of it. And you can, and and Knack, you're going to maybe get mad. You can skip through the dialogue sometimes if you just want to fly through. You might miss very, very interesting story stuff. Um, but it's also a game where you can sit back and listen to that and, and enjoy the fantastic music, the fantastic um the the dialogue, the little story tidbits, the combat, which can get, which goes layers deep, which is, I feel like I'm scratching, I haven't even scratched the surface. I've only unlocked uh, two or three of the Titan hearts to upgrade things. So like, I play this game all the time, and I feel like I'm barely sort of poking at the actual game at this point. Yeah. I saw something about, uh, something about a faded, uh, <laughs> like, deception or something. <laughs> like a credit thing that I'd never seen before the other day to like trade out your your uh, your power-ups at the store. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, I don't think I've I'm got probably, it. I'm probably calling it something. How many, so how many clears do you have? I don't have any clears. I've never beaten oh, the actual really? game. Okay. I've never gotten wow. past the third level. And I don't want to spoil what the third level is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never gotten past the third level. I've gotten to the boss of the third level a few times, but I've never gotten past that. Yeah. Um. Maybe I'm just not good at the game. Maybe I'm playing it a little too mindlessly, where I, I just sort. Of, but I just find myself running out of uh, juice by that point. What do you mean by that? How long does it take to get to that? Like an hour or two hours? Or I mean, once you get good enough, I mean, I clear the first level in like I well, less than ten minutes, probably, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's it, the first level is very short once you get powered up enough and good enough and then so I like a run i mean i could probably get to the boss of the third level well i can consistently get to the third level in probably like 20 minutes maybe so just maybe, for maybe people five. that are, are not familiar about with hades like this is a rogue like like it's run like describe the game to me like how, yeah what, sure what's sorry so this is a roguelike which is uh <laughs> We go again, <laughs> which is the game you got to know about to understand. But it's a run-based game, basically. You yeah. you you do runs, uh, and you you die. Dying is sort of an inevitable part of the game, and you reset, and you get a little bit of you know credits and, and experience that you get to spend to power yourself up um, and try again to to push forward. The setting of the game is is you're in Hades, you're in the Greek version of hell. Although that I don't know if that's technically accurate, but. And you are the son of Hades, the god, and you're trying to break out. Um, and it's you, you combat based. Although there's there's five or six different weapons uh, that really do vary significantly how you play the game. Um, you know, there's a pair of gloves that you go close up and you dodge a lot, and that's how you play it. There's a gun <laughs> and a bow and arrow where you're playing the game from far away and that's how you play it and and it turns into more like a shooter um and they and and the power-ups that you get from the various gods uh again add another layer of, of change and add another layer to the combat and and i just i 
I guess it never gets repetitive because you're always like kind of kind of crafting or kind of like searching your your for better strategies i guess you're like okay should i should i go for aries because he gets you more damage and gets you these crazy blade things that spin around and damage enemies sort of passively in an aoe kind of kind of way or should i go uh the path of i forget which god it is but it lets you reflect things and you can just stand back and you can you can just you know yeah yeah athena and spam and reflect attacks and and or you know um i guess so that sort of defeat i don't don't know if anybody else is addicted as addicted to this game as i am or has i was yeah i I was for a while there um i've since kind of moved on to other stuff but yeah i definitely was i mean it's it's i kind of i have so i have like a backlog that's a mile long but every time i just sit down i'm like all right should i boot up mario tennis for the first time Eh, i'll just play hades for a little (laughs) time Yeah. So, are are you a fan of these type of type of games, like like Dead Cells or Rogue Legacy, or or is this kind of like one no. of your first entries? Um, okay. I so I liked I loved FTL. I'm a fan of the the kind the of game it is, but it has to be a good. The gameplay has to be there. I loved FTL, which is a roguelike where you're. It's nothing like this, but it has the same kind of run based design where you're you're doing runs and you die and you go back to the beginning. Um, I loved uh, what was that other roguelike by the same person who did FDL into uh, the breach game. into the breach that game was fantastic same thing I got like yeah. super addicted to these get the game I did not like rogue legacy it just did not the game the core gameplay was just not fun to me I don't know why it just didn't stick with me um, so I guess I'm I'm sort of mixed on these games and I guess it has to be I feel like they have to make the game itself entertaining enough where you don't mind the repetitiveness or or variant enough which i guess is what ftl did too because there was like just so many different scenarios with the different types of power-ups uh that would emerge different combat scenarios where your ship was being invaded by aliens and you had to expel them by like shutting all the doors and suffocate and opening the the outbay doors to suffocate them or or setting fire to some of your doors and or you have to put the fires out by opening it's just games like that where it's the core conceit is seemingly simple but the things that emerge from that it's just layers deep of complexity and it's so funny because it's like these games with just this like simple dinky art style but it's more complex than for example i mean i would call it more complex than uh some triple a games right so yeah a first-person shooter, for example. Yeah, when it comes to like the 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 depth of mechanics, absolutely, it's. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, and just the crazy gameplay scenarios that emerge, and you're like, right. you're like playing these insane combat scenarios with these combination of power-ups, and you're like, did the developers have this in their mind at any point, or am I right. breaking the game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is a you know actually there is, and I am playing it on Switch, so there is a bit of chugginess as you get into like you know once i'm you know there's a one of the one of the gods gives you the ability to do hangovers which are these like purple splash zones and like uh which which damage foes and there's there's the spinning blades but once i have both of those things going at once the game just starts to chug yeah Uh, but but you know i mean whatever 
it's kind of it's almost a little bit it's almost fun it's like i'm like i'm like so wrecking all these people that i'm like destroying the game itself <laughs> by like <laughs> running around and creating this just disaster zone um i don't know and i'll just keep playing it and i think it's hopefully uh uh i don't know if they're making they're thinking about some sort of sequel to it but i don't oh, know really? i'm and well, no, I'm 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 actually asking. Oh, I see. I see. They're probably not. They haven't made any sequels to any of those. Yeah, they've games, never right? made a sequel. Yeah. yeah. And this is they super giant games. Right? Super giant. Yeah. A, yeah. And this they is their Bastion. only roguelike, so maybe this will be sort of a one shot thing, you know? Yeah. But damn, what a one shot! <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how. So I first played Hades uh, when it was in early access in 2019, actually, I think, um, and I liked it. I um, actually, I, there was nothing at that point that dissuaded me other than the fact that it was in early access. And I thought, well, if I'm going to if I'm going to pour a lot of time into this game, I'm just going to wait for 1.0. And so when 1.0 hit in 2020, um, boy, that's yeah, I I really fell into that game. Um, and I was I, I I knew that it was special. I knew that I loved it. And I thought perhaps it would be one of those games that kind of pulls people into that genre who normally wouldn't be fans. Um, but I don't think I could have expected, I don't think I could have guessed for, I did not expect for it to be as huge as it became. I mean, it's, when you look at people's top 10 lists for 2020, Hades is at the top of many of those lists. Yeah. Um, and again, from people who I did not, I would not have expected, you know, not typically not fans of the genre. Um, so yeah, anyway, Hades. Yeah, I do Anything expect else? there's going to be a time much like threes, much like uh, some of the other games I've gotten hard into that I might just fall off and, and not come back for a long time. But yeah, you know, hopefully, I mean, Again, I've never cleared the freaking game, so <laughs> I hopefully I can clear it one or two times before. There's I, a whole that yeah. Happens. After you, because I know the there's game, like whole. There's a whole like. After that. It's it's so shitty to say this, but like the game doesn't start until you've gotten your first clear. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it sounds like such a piece of shit thing to say, but it is kind of true. What can I ask you? Mac, do you have like a certain what what are you, what were your like preferred combat strategies? What's like your favorite weapon? So I have favorite, two clears, and both of them were on the rail, the, the, which is the gun. Oh wow, that's actually really surprising to me because I I kind of had I had a hard time using it at first, but now I, I love it. It's probably my second favorite one. Yeah, I um, but th really, you know, the more I use each of the weapons, the more I find ways to love them um so like when when you're first starting the game and you're kind of unlocking all of the weapons and getting a feel for them it's really easy to just say man fuck this shield i'm going back to the sword you know exactly um, who would ever use this then, like, stupid dinky pea shooter from like yeah. a when if i could just go up and punch these dudes in the face that's yeah. how i felt but then you but then you really so i mentioned before that there's a way that the game incentivizes using different weapons which is each time you start a run, a new weapon will be highlighted uh, as giving you bonuses to your darkness, which is your uh, kind of like your experience, experience. points, your, your currency that you use to buy power-ups. And so it incentivizes you with a 20% bonus to that um, if, you, if you choose a weapon 
Um, that's different than the weapon that you or, or it it specifies which one it's got to be. Um, and anyway, yeah, so you do end up eventually using all the weapons. And I've found the more that I use all the weapons, the more I'm like, yeah, this one, you can figure out ways. So you can't, obviously, you can't use each weapon the same way effectively. You've got you've to figure them out. Um, it's so cool. Like each weapon is almost like a puzzle that you figure out like which boons do I want to attach to this thing? Um, how do I make this? How do I make, what, what is, how, how is the bow different from the sword? And in what ways do I need to account for that as I'm building out my character this run, you know? Um, and the, yeah. And I remember the first time I beat Meg with the gun who, and I thought the gun was so pathetic at first. I was like, why would anybody use this? And then one time I just decided to use it and I beat Meg so easily. And I was like, why wasn't I doing this the whole time? Like, yeah. why didn't I boot, you know, I, I, I think I like maxi minned it, maxi minned the, the, just the machine gun fire. I like boosted the range fire and just put boons on it the entire way through and, and killed her in like 30. I, I just stood there and just like gunned her down. Like I was yeah. like, Oh my God, that was, that was crazy. It's crazy uh, because that's another thing I want to bring up real quick. And sorry, I'm not, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't want to forget yeah. to make this point is that, the when you first encounter a boss it is they are so hard and it's and part of that is like learning the boss and part of it is having the right tools to take that boss down and and the right power-ups and whatnot um but yeah it is it is such a satisfying feeling each time you beat the boss and it gets easier and easier and easier um anyway yeah i just wanted to throw that in there real quick but yeah that that's all i mean i could talk about hades all day but i'll just close it by saying the music in this game i mean i it's it's um it's just great i listen to it yeah, all, all the time and it's uh the song by the ugh, and i oh, i'm so bad with names the song by the tree lady who was with orpheus at one point oh the song um, the the song that she sings when you go into I walk around singing that song all day long yeah. <laughs> and I will not do it on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, it is quite amazing music. And there's like, it, there's a heavy metal flavor to it. And when you get down into like the, the second, I might, I'm, I'll do a little bit of a spoiler here. The second play, the second level you go to is kind of more hellish uh, and you get a lot more like deep bass, deep drums. Like it, it gets, it's very yeah. heavy metal. It's a, it's a, an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, cool. Agreed. When I uh, bought this game, I was surprised how cheap it was, considering all of the like how everyone Accolades. loved it so much and yeah. how like intricate it is as well. I believe it's twenty dollars. Is it still twenty? Twenty bucks? So, yeah. I yeah. got it on sale for twenty. I I haven't played it yet, oh, but okay. I did get it on sale. I believe the. Uh, I think the base price is like either twenty five or thirty. So even okay. then, it's still pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah, and the PC version is worth getting because there's cross save, right? Yeah, so I yeah I got it on uh, Epic Game Steam. Store, oh, like Epic. I said when it was uh yeah it was in early access on Epic. I got it there, and then when it came out on Switch, I got it on Switch. Uh, and it took a while for cross save to come out, and you need to be careful when you first activate cross save. I was very careful because I heard that people had accidentally overwritten their data the wrong way so it's yeah you got to just it's it wasn't when i when i googled it and figured it out it wasn't that bad but uh yeah you do need to be careful um but but anyway to answer your question sam or to to go further into that um yeah it's the 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 
value that you get out of this game at even at $30, if which it's it's been on sale a bunch of times since it came out. So you can probably get it for probably as low as like 15, 20. Um, but the value that you get out of this game is incredible when you compare it to AAA $60 titles. So Sam, did you want to talk about it at all? Have you have you put much time in with it yet? Um I've played it all a little bit. I haven't I haven't beaten the first boss yet. I just get like distracted by other things like yeah. making a campaign and stuff like that. Yeah. So well, but I want to go back to it. It's really every time I play it, it's really fun. And then I stop and I do something else after I die a few times. Yeah. Um so real quick, Daniel, was that it for you? Hades? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the only thing. Again, every time I go, like, oh, maybe I'll pl- maybe I'll boot up Splatoon Two, which I bought on sale for the first time, and then I'm like, yeah, I just play Hades. Uh, maybe I'll I'll boot up, uh, you know, some other game. Man, I'll just I'll just do a Hades run or a couple of Hades yeah. runs. I'll just for seven hours in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Very cool. So, Sam, going back to you, what have you been up to, dude? Um, as far as video games go, I've been playing quite a... I haven't been serious at any one game, but I've been playing quite a few games. Um, I got, like I said, in, or I got a Game Pass, which is probably the best thing I've bought in this whole year. Because it's Game like... Pass. Yeah, it was... It's so good. Uh, but I played Gears 5 with it for a little bit. I played Hollow Knight. I mean, there's just so many different... When I first bought it, I was like, there can't be that many games on it. Is Hollow Knight on Game Pass now? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. That Veilheart or something? Like the, the like that plus the DLC. I forgot what okay. it was called, but cool. it's on it. It's like, there's so many games on here. And it's not just like... What do you call them? AAA games or $60 yeah. games? There's like, you know so many different games but anyway so i've been mostly concentrating on game pass there's actually ff9 on here too i don't know if anyone yeah. knew that but they just yeah i think that's a very recent addition right they just and ff8 too actually yeah yeah um but it's like yeah but mostly those are the games i've been playing like i said i haven't been heavily playing them a lot um like for hollow knight i played quite a quite a bit and going back to what you said about it, Gus, um, that it kind of punishes the player. I think you're right about that. Or not punishes, but it's sometimes a little too hard to get by. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, my, yeah, Go my ahead. main thing against, I think Hollow Knight is a terrific game. So I don't want to be misconstrued here and then be labeled a Hollow Knight hater. I think it's a great game, but. But I do think that it's it's its say system that I'm not a fan of. Like uh, I, I, I'm not even sure if it needed the whole Dark Souls aesthetic to it because I felt like the bosses were already difficult enough. I felt like it it already grounded you as a player enough. Like yeah. it uh, it never made you feel like some kind of Superman or anything like that. It it always made you feel pretty um, pretty small compared to like the the massive things that you had to overcome so i i I just 
didn't like the whole like you die you have to go back to a save point and then if to get to your body which is probably going to be near a boss that you just died uh, against you have to like traverse like half what felt like half the world it usually did not take that long but it's still like you die a lot in that game so you're gonna go through that motion over and over and over and eventually it's like it felt like it was consuming too much of my time just doing that so I don't mind the game being punishing just don't waste my time so that's that's my my main beef, my key beef against Hollow Knight. Are you are you liking it though, Sam? Like as far as the rest of the gameplay, how do you feel about it? I like it. I like how I like the jump a lot. I think that's my favorite part of the whole. Um, I know you guys said that you don't like the jump, but I like how it's like if you if you just press a little bit, you get a small jump. But if you press like longer than you get like a longer jump i think that's yeah. very cool i, I think a I, lot of games sorry i i don't dislike the jump in hollow knight but i do think it's weird i do i do think it has a weird arc compared to a lot of other platformers that's a little bit tricky to get used to once you get used to it and you kind of understand like you said once you understand how it works it i think it's great but um but it is weird it's, it took me a while <clears throat> excuse me to get used to anyway sorry go ahead yeah, I, I just really like that. I mean, I don't think a lot of games have that option where you can change how how high you jump or, you know, stuff like that. A lot of games do, but not to that extent. But yeah. Um, And uh, like I said, I haven't gotten too far into it, but um, the other the other game that I've been playing is, is Ori and the Will of the Wisp. And Gus, you were so right. That game is so beautiful. Like I always yeah, that was your game of the year, wasn't it? Gus? Was yeah. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is my game of 2020. Um, I I really really like that game. Um, I think it's it's as you mentioned, Sam. It's beautiful. It's super fun to play. Um, I feel like it it uh, avoids the issue that I just mentioned with Hollow Knight and that it never wastes your time. It's not as difficult as Hollow Knight. And I would probably say it's probably not as satisfying in terms of like when you beat a boss uh, because it's it gives you just a little bit more uh, abilities to, to beat that boss. But it's not easy either. Um, and I don't know if you come across a boss yet, Sam, but some of those bosses are pretty, pretty tough. No, I ha- like I said, I haven't been playing like these games very. I haven't like, except for Overwatch, which is probably the game that I play the most. I've never like really found another game that I love as much as Overwatch yet. Um, Are you still playing Overwatch? Yes. <laughs> um, I just one of the well to get back to Ori real quick, but um. Okay. I like I like you guys said in the in our friendly reminder um year in review episode about how the I don't know what it's called but it's like where it has those three circles and only Gus the charms in the center huh the charms you mean like yeah like where you have to have like a like the first thing you can use to attack is like a torch and then you have to get like other options in that little I don't know. Never mind. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're just talking about the circle of weapons that you get over time. Yes, thank you. Because you do get weapons. different abilities. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that when I played the first story, I don't think I liked that very much. I like how you can just like 
I think you just should just start off with the ability to kill things automatically. Um, hmm. So you're talking about Ori, because the original Ori, the combat was like you had this kind of a sphere that kind of followed you around, and it would just automatically attack yeah. the your enemies. Um, whereas this game is different because, and I think it's taking cues from Hollow Knight, where it's actually giving you weapons. So it gives you a sword. Uh, eventually, you get like a bow type of weapon. You get like a hammer type of weapon. Uh, you get like a spear where like you kind of like ride the spear and then you shoot it at an enemy and it like does massive damage. Um, so it it expands the combat so much more than the um, the original one, which the original one, like you're right, it, it was it was a little more simplified. Uh, it was more. Based Based on platforming, where I think Ori and the Will of the Wisps really expands. Uh, there's there's still a lot of platforming, but it expands on yeah. the combat a lot more. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. And then um, there's another game that I've been playing, but we've kind of already talked about it. Hades, and it's it's a great game. I love the intricacies of it. Um, I don't want to go too into depth about it because just Daniel already did that, but. And surprisingly, I've been playing a, a classic game, the first Modern Warfare. Like, I started playing that again. And the are you playing the campaign? Yeah, the campaign. Is it, is it the remake of the first Modern Warfare? No, it's not the remake. But, um, oh, you were still... going back to your original, like, PlayStation? That's no, on Steam. Oh, okay. Hmm. But uh, I have, like, I have all the early ones, but on steam but i like i think gus you showed it to me first and it was like really cool and i think it is still really cool i think it's like now it's all the same shit basically but when that first came out man that like why are you smiling yeah. daniel because i have fucking memories attached to the first modern warfare i played yeah. it i played it on like my broken ass Dell laptop for school that was like gonna set like my rug on fire a cracked version of it uh that ran like shit and i was amazed by that campaign <laughs> and it, it was yeah yeah um and then that's why i was laughing because my 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 past with that game i don't know i just it was it was so for its time, it was like amazing, and it still is pretty good if you go back to it. But now, there's modern warfare, there's Black Ops. I mean, before it was all World War II stuff. I think that was like the first, the first game that was like modern warfare. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it was really good. And then um, going back to Overwatch a little bit, the reason I love it so much is and hate it. Like I love it, I love it and hate it both equally. <laughs> um, the reason I love it and I hate it so much is because it's uh, excuse me, unlike many other games, teamwork is involved very heavily in Overwatch, and yeah. picking the right characters is involved. Or is is very important as well. Um, I don't know. I'll just go over the basic um, uh, characters. There's like the hero type, which is DPS or attack. Yeah, just go it, through the characters on Overwatch real quick. <laughs> no, that's not. 
that's not what I meant, but I know I'm just joking. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, and then there's the tank, which is like a shield and like they have a lot of armor. Um, so they can go in and take some damage. Then there's the healers, which, you know, obviously keep the team healed. And if you don't have a good healer, like, you you pretty much die pretty instantaneously. If you don't have good DPS, you can't win the game. And if you don't have, like, good tanks, um, you just, you can't go forward. It's very, you know... Do you still have your team of people you play with every, every week or whatever? No, honestly, we all kind of like, well, they kind of fell off into other games. Fell off, yeah, which was really sad because I, I like when I play Overwatch, I play for myself, and um, honestly, it's kind of lonely. <laughs> um, when you used to do it with a bunch of people, like every week, but um, it's still really fun. I still enjoy the cool things about it. Is it harder now that people don't, if you're not with a team that communicates and stuff? It is much harder by yourself to win. Um, sometimes, other times people say, oh, I think it's harder, but sometimes people think it's easier if you're just by yourself. But um, it's funner with the team. Yeah. The whole, the whole game is, is designed around communicating with your teammates and kind of yeah. coordinating when your ults are ready. And Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the other thing that I hate about it is that people don't communicate very like very well in Overwatch. If you're not part of the team, I mean, if you're not part yeah. of the team. But yeah, other than that, I love it. Um, it's, other than Mass Effect Three, I think it's my favorite game of all time. Wow, cool! So that's your game of the year, <laughs> Overwatch. <laughs> yes, years. even though it came out like 2016. Game of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, did it really come out five years ago? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Half a decade ago? Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. They've they've announced Overwatch 2 like two years ago. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Is that um, not out yet? Yeah. Is that no. still coming out? <laughs> they haven't even said anything about it, as far as I know, right? Like, yeah, they they it, like it, nothing has come out recently about it. So yeah. I think they stopped it. Probably because of yeah. COVID, but yeah, I imagine that put a wrench in the works anything else sam no that's that's pretty much my games that i've been playing cool well i've been playing a few games um i'll talk about i'll talk about three of them i bounce around sometimes um but the the three games that i want to talk about here uh the first one is a game called slipstream um this have have any of you guys seen this or heard of it no no i never this heard is of a it is a it's an indie I think it's it's basically a one man project um and I think he got somebody to do the sound and music which happens pretty often with these kind of one man projects uh it is a it is a racing game in the vein of Outrun it is a so it's not 3D it's a sprite based um racing game and it uh it's got a very vaporwave kind of 90s aesthetic to it which i appreciate um i can describe this game by telling you what my wife said when she heard the the music and sound effects from the other room she said it sounded like i was playing a cross between mario kart uh the portlandia intro song and the windows 95 startup <laughs> 
Um, and, and, and I, I think she's like fucking dead on with that, uh, analysis. Um, as a racing game, it's a racing game. Yeah. No, but it's that a, sounds amazing. That sounds, it is. Yeah. You should play this game. It's fucking fantastic. Um, it is a, so if you think back to how outrun, um, how, how that game worked, you would start a, a you know arcade racer from the probably early 90s, if not 80s, probably the 80s, I think, was when Outrun came out. I'd have to go back and look at that. But uh, it's a sprite-based game. Um, and you, as you race through the tracks, you're not doing laps. You are racing to the next course. And depending on, there'll be forks in the road at the end of each kind of like level or section, and you choose which path you want to take. Um, and so there are splitting paths that lead to the end of the race. And as you, you're timed, so you've got to make it to the checkpoint in time. Um, the thing that Slipstream does that is so cool is it adds a layer of kind of a drifting mechanic, or not kind of, but a, a drifting mechanic to the game that how it works is as you drift through a turn, you actually build speed. So you, and you drift by very quickly braking and then hitting the gas again. And so it's a very, it's, there's nothing more to the, you're never shifting gears. You never, um, I mean, you can, you can break, but you actually never really need to once you get the drifting down. Yeah. Like in, uh, wait, are you talking about Mario Kart? Yeah. I mean, isn't that just the same mechanic as Sparks? Well, Sparks give you a boost. This actually builds your like overall top speed not top oh, okay. speed but but your your current maintained speed um so you what the game when you when you start to really get into what the game is about it's about hitting these drifts at the perfect time and at the perfect angle so that you don't have to break at all through the turn you can just drift the entire turn um because once you get into the later stages, you pretty much have to play damn near perfectly in order to finish the race in first place. Um, but anyway, it's it's a it's a little tiny thing. It's I think I got it for like I think I got it for five bucks on sale uh, during the Steam Winter Sale. It I, I I think it I don't even remember how I found it. It I either saw it on Twitter or it popped up on my Steam store page, um, but it looked like something I would enjoy just based on the the colors and the the overall aesthetic. And sure enough, it was it was awesome. So Slipstream yeah. is the name of that game. Um, and looking at it right cool. now, it looks looks cool. Yeah, it looks um, awesome. They it should put like this on gear, Switch. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. I, I, I had that same thought. In fact I looked at when I saw it on Steam, I checked the the eShop to see if it was on Switch and it wasn't there. So yeah, they they need to. Um not an easy thing to do, but I, obviously, the more platforms you can get your game on, the better. Um, so yeah, so I think Slipstream it's a pretty is, easy thing to do. I don't know. Yeah, you just you, you pull the drop you down just, from PS4, Xbox, you know, Switch. You just click Switch and compile a Switch game. Yeah, export. You, you, you call your uncle that works at Nintendo. And yeah, he'll do it for you. Yeah. Um. So that's Slipstream. The other game that I I want to talk about I. I started playing it, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The, oh, the movie, the game is the name of this 
is the official name of this game, but it's the Scott Pilgrim <laughs> game. Um, this is a game that came out in 2010. Uh, I, th- I believe 2010, uh, which is when the movie came out, um, which, you know, back then, um, this style of like River City Ransom, Final Fight, um, beat em up, you know, side scrolling beat em up brawler game was had fallen by the wayside. Since then, especially in the indie scene, uh, th- these types of games have made somewhat of a comeback. In fact, last year, Streets of Rage 4 came out, which actually ended up being one of my favorite games of last year. Um, so the Scott Pilgrim game, they, they, it, it disappeared from online platforms for a while, which was sad and is kind of uh, one of the drawbacks of the era that we live in in which games are distributed primarily digitally. Uh, so yeah. It had disappeared for a while, and a lot of the people who worked on that game had been kind of... It was published by Ubisoft. They were kind of pestering Ubisoft to to put it out there. Fans of the game had wanted it to be re- released on current platforms and it finally got a release this week so i've been playing that and it's okay (laughs) i was (laughs) i was like super stoked to jump back into this game and i i remember not being super in love with this game but but enjoying it quite a bit um jumping back into it it does kind of show its age a little bit um it does show that it came out at a time when it was enough just to be a kind of quirky uh sprite you know pixel art sprite um brawler i'm sorry sprite when you keep saying sprite Uh, what does that mean so a sprite is a 2d when a game is in 2d those images that move around the screen are called sprites okay okay so in a 3d game the the player character and NPCs and, and any object in the game actually is is a 3D asset. It's like a 3D model. But in 2D games, what the what the program is manipulating is the sprites. They're called sprites. Um so when I when I said that slipstream, thanks thanks for asking. That's a good thing that should probably be explained for people who may not know. It, when I say a sprite based game, it means that there's nothing in the game that's 3D. Um, so in slipstream, even though the, the there's a 3D effect that you get it's all smoke and mirrors. Everything that's actually on the screen is just 2D assets. Um, so yeah, good question. Um, so so at the time in 2010, when Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the movie, the game came out, it was, it was enough for a game to just be what that game was without really doing anything to push the envelope. Um, I think nowadays when you compare it to games like Streets of Rage 4, um you know uh, there's there's more to be done in that genre and i think that genre has a lot more to offer that we haven't really seen yet um but i i still appreciate scott pilgrim the game it's it's fun it's kind of there's a leveling system that i feel is maybe unnecessary um that feels like maybe it was thrown in just to pad out the gameplay a little bit um because the levels end up being so ridiculously difficult that you kind of have to level up and play the level over and over and over and level your character up until you can actually get through the level. Um, but it's fine. It's fun to go back into that universe. And um, it's, a, it's a game that is, that is 
you know, an adaptation of a movie of a graphic novel that is basically an homage to video games. So it's kind of a, in itself, it's a video game that loves video games, which is cool. Um, so I have a question. Um, sure. And this is probably more in regards to Scott Pilgrim in general. And it's something I've been thinking about because like when, when the Scott, specifically the movie, when Scott Pilgrim, the movie came out, it was kind of a, an amazing thing in the sense that like, how did this even get made? Like, how did this get greenlit and actually got made? And even and looking Edgar back at Wright it, signed on, you know? Yeah, Edgar There's Wright like is directing. the soundtrack in it, just crazy yeah. stuff. <laughs> and like, even looking at, the, obviously they weren't huge names back then, but like the cast has like, it has Brie Larson, it has Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Um, like, it's all like, it's a, it's like a pretty star-studded cast, like looking looking back to it. But a lot of it felt like, Oh wow! Like a movie about video games, like based on a comic. Like it, it's there was if especially for like nerds because back then in 2010 it was not the nerd culture taking over the world that that it is now. It was yeah. that was kind of like nascent back in the day. Yeah. Um, so there was that novelty to it, it and that pre, kind of pre MCU. You know, like nowadays, yeah. like everybody knows who all the superheroes are and all the Marvel stuff, but yeah. Right. Yeah, this no, is pre Ant-Man making, you know, millions and millions of dollars, like <laughs> yeah. somehow. Um, but now specifically now that we do live in, in a world where nerd, nerd culture has pretty much taken over uh, pop culture and, and Hollywood and, and video games are far more prominent and make so much money and things like animal crossing are just like this, these pop culture movements. Like, does it still, resonate like this this idea of like oh a, 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 what was a comic that was a love letter to video games and then a movie that's a love letter to video games that then became a video game that's a love letter to video games like it's it's still impactful or is it more just like i don't know it's I, kind I of a dime a dozen yeah i think to a degree we definitely i think scott pilgrim was kind of the uh, to me it was one of the first of those and i think there have been a lot since then um I I I think what's cool about Scott Pilgrim is it also tells a story. I mean, Scott is a he's a kid who is kind of figuring shit out with his like in his he's a dirtbag. Uh he he kind of is. Uh he but he's in he's the way that we're all dirtbags. Yeah. You know, he it was relatable to me back then because I was 22 like figuring things out. There's a part in the movie. I don't I don't remember if it happens in the movie. There's a part in the in the comics where he like quits his band and like is kind of like or he's kind of forced to quit his band. Um I don't know. It like a lot of that stuff resonated with me too. It wasn't just the video game like pandering to me as a video game fan. Um I don't know if that stuff personally to me, I don't know if that stuff would resonate as much if it like for example if it was released now. I, I definitely don't think it would. Um, but I, you know, I, it, I think the story is really good. I think it's genuinely funny. Um, and it's like the, the, the setup, the premise so are, is, are we talking about the game now? Or are we talking about broader, the broader media? Just, just the broader. Yeah. Scott. Okay. Cause I, I remember a feeling I loved the, the, the movie. I was like, this is, this is great. I never read the comic. And then when I read the comic, I was like, this is even better than the movie. Yeah. And then I remember being very disappointed in the game because I was like, oh, it's just a beat em up and there's not really any 
gimmicks yeah. to it. It's just like, oh, yeah. they they just kind of copy and paste these. It's a pastiche. It's not they're not paying homages yeah. to these games really. They're just kind of in much the same way Ready Player One wasn't like, oh, it's paying homages to like RoboCop and all. It's just no, they just copied and pasted the characters into this. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a little bit about the game compared to the movie. Yeah, and uh, the the comic book. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's I agree. That's Scott Pilgrim the game. It's if you if you liked if you like Scott Pilgrim, and you are looking for something in that world and you never played the game, maybe check it out. But I don't think I can really recommend it. Um, it's, you know, it, I think you'll know if you're, if you're the, the one that this game is targeting, you'll know. Um, so yeah, so that's Scott Pilgrim. The last game I want to talk about is Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, this is a, this is another Ubisoft open world game that takes a lot of cues from breath of the wild um which as we've stated earlier i think is kind of at this point the gold standard in open world game design um i don't think i like this game very much um i wanted to like it because of the way it the way it looked and i i don't know if it was marketed this way it probably was uh, to to look and to evoke that breath of the wild feeling of openness and um, all of that stuff. It, this it's it's not a terrible game. Um, it's a it's another game that kind of takes place in Greek in the Greek mythology. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's it's kind of just another one of those Ubisoft open world games with a lot of stuff on the map to go do. Um, the mm. combat actually takes a little bit of inspiration from Dark Souls, which I think a lot of combat just does these days. Um, without, the, without the corpse running of Dark Souls, um, but there's, you know, there's a stamina meter. Um, there are, there's a parry. You're dodging enemy attacks uh that sort of thing it's it's fine the the writing is fucking atrocious it is uh it's like the, I, I mean it's just like they, they try to make these jokes it's just none of it lands i don't know it's dark zones dark souls plus breath of the wild sounds kind of interesting to me does it but you're describing yeah that don't play this game <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs> it's uh, i and that's kind of what drew me to it because I, I saw what, what I was on the fence about this game and what kind of pushed me over the edge and, and I, I decided if I saw it on sale, I'd get it. And I did um, was a, a review that kind of made that point that said it was like um, that it would it had the exploration of of Breath of the Wild with more of a, a focused sense of combat like you would find in a Dark Souls game. But I don't think it really delivers on either of those, to be honest. Um, so does I, this game also have like preset waypoints where it's like it just populates for you and it's like you have to go here? Yeah. Um, it The way that it does it is a little bit different. You So you don't like, like open up a, a chunk of the map and it drops all the icons down. You 
you have to aim at a, a spot in the map. So, you, so you, it does the Ubisoft thing where you go up high and then you look at stuff, which I guess right. also is the Breath of the Wild thing. Yeah. But you you kind of scan the horizon looking for areas below you, uh, and and it'll it'll kind of tinkle when it when there's something there that you're aiming at, and you pull right trigger and it it tells you what's there, mm. which I think defeats the fucking purpose yeah. of telling you that something is there. Um, See, that's the, not to get on my soapbox again, but but that that's what I mean. Like when when it comes to like learning the lessons of Breath of the Wild, it's 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 far more than just this game tried to. I don't want to say rip off its aesthetics, but it wanted to evoke that Breath of the Wild feeling. Like it wanted it, it's it's a little bit more like it's it's a little bit more stylized. It's it's a little cartoonish, uh, but it's it's very colorful. It wanted to like really evoke that sense. Uh but it's like you have to take more than that for, for to to be able to emulate Breath of the Wild. Like what Breath of the Wild did masterfully is that it used its world to evoke a sense of discovery in you like it didn't force you to 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 want to to look at a place like there's there's the whole cliche about open world games where it's like you see that mountain over there you can go there uh and i think breath of the wild used that to like the 11th degree it's like oh you see that um you see that beam in the distance like you want to go there like you, you see that uh weird strange thing in the sky like you want to get there you see that huge mountain and there's like a single tree that tree must mean something you want to yeah. go there like you never you you were there was never a waypoint that was preset you set your own because yeah. the world yeah. was so uh uh like so full of wonder that you wanted mm -hmm. to do it yourself you did there yeah. was no video game objective so it it took away the gamification of discovery and this is what i want developers to realize like it's not just how yeah. pretty it was it's not just that the world was massive it's not just that the combat was good or it was this combat or you had like a paraglider and you can kind of glide around it was more than that yeah. it's like use yeah. your world like you make your world be the waypoint don't don't just have that set preset for uh, for the gamer yeah anyways yep that's, that's and that's yeah that's so i think that what assassin's creed valhalla uh suffers from is the same thing that that i'm finding here with with immortals um and it's i, I might spend a little bit more time with it but i think i might just be done with that like i i don't know i i don't know if there's much more for this genre to offer me um until breath of the wild 2 or whatever whenever like you said there there there's got to be a dev somewhere out there who is having or has had the same conversation and has this figured out and is is right now making that next game you know yeah whether or not it's breath of the wild 2 you know who cares um but i think that this needs to be the next step we need to we, more more devs need to start doing this because you're right you, you mentioned earlier that it felt as you were playing uh assassin's creed valhalla it felt like you were doing chores i have felt that way about open world games for for like years at this point um it was it was one of the things that kind of turned me off from red dead redemption 2 um and so yeah i i think that that needs to be addressed if if you're going to make an open world, there's got to be a reason for it. It's open worlds for the sake of open worlds, I think, are not compelling anymore. We've kind of been there for, for 
more than a decade at this point. Yeah. Um, okay. So getting into some of the news, uh, by the way, this is a monthly podcast. So if by the time you listen to this, if some of this news doesn't feel like news anymore, um, sorry, <laughs> we're going to talk about what, what's kind of been going on in the past month or so of video game news. The first thing that I want to bring up is uh, Lucasfilm Games was announced. Um, so uh, I guess I, I guess Disney must have given the okay for this. Um, but Lucasfilm Games has been established and they announced uh, a few things here. The first of which is they're making uh, Bethesda will be publishing, if not developing, um do you know about that are they developing this new indiana jones game uh, i believe so i believe it's it isn't it the wolfenstein oh that's oh that's... so uh yeah we'll have to check into that but um it's uh an indiana jones game at the very least being published by bethesda um and i know people were worried if that was going to cut into starfield and Elder Scrolls Six development, um, so I don't know so about that. But just real quick, it's it's Machine Games, and they're the That's ones that created Wolfenstein: The New Order. Thank you, Machine. Okay, cool. So um, that's cool. I think uh, a kind of bigger budget indie game could be a cool thing. We'll have to see. They 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 showed like a little teaser. Um, doesn't reveal anything about what the gameplay will look like. Um, but with a studio like that, I imagine it'll be um more of an action than a adventure i would i would bet um it'll so probably cool. be like uncharted right? yeah i imagine it'll be like uncharted yeah um i mean it is uncharted it is, is yeah indiana uncharted is, is indiana jones yeah um and the, the other thing with this new banner that they're kind of unifying all this stuff under is that ea no longer has exclusive rights to star wars games which is a big deal. Um, and the, the, they have already announced Ubisoft is working on an open world Star Wars game. I want to talk about this real quick because this is, we, we just talked about kind of open world syndrome and how maybe that genre has less to offer than it did 10 or 15 years ago. What do you guys hope for out of this Star Wars open world game? And Sam, I want to start with you because... Um, I think you are the one, I think, who uh, is most proud of your Star Wars fandom of the group. Um, so I want you to, what would you hope for out of an open world Star Wars game? If you just, just pie in the sky, what would that look like to you? Um, <clears throat> I probably want it to be first in the era before or during Rogue One era. Because I don't think, except for Rogue One, I don't think that area has been explored enough. Cool. Um, but as far as, like... Do you think it would be cool to be traveling between planets? Or... Yes. But so... I think Mass Effect did that pretty well as well when that yeah. came out. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe if they do it something different. But... Um, yeah, I think Mass Effect is like, I mean, I don't, are there a lot of games that go from planet to planet? Hades, well, I, or not Hades, I, uh, Halo maybe, right? Not really. 
Um, oh, well, there's a um, I forgot the name. What's the Hello Games? Um, oh, um, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. I oh. think is 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 kind of the template of yeah. being able to get on a ship. You leave the planet, like you physically, it's not fast traveling. You like leave the planet, leave the atmosphere, enter space, and then go to a different planet and enter the atmosphere and land, you know? And I think if if you really want to evoke, like, I'm in the Star Wars universe, you want to have that. I, I don't yeah. think yeah. just traveling from, from, like, fast traveling from planet to planet and have each planet just be like its mini open world is going to... Like, you want space combat to be a yeah. huge So I, I'll admit yeah. that this is a bit of a loaded question, because I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. This Ubisoft game is not going to be that. <laughs> I, I would be so surprised if they actually deliver on that. On that I mean, not, not that it's a promise, but if they deliver on that, if they, if they actually um, give us that Star Wars experience of, uh, you know, getting up, you know, exactly what you said, hopping into your X-Wing, Exiting the atmosphere, kicking in the hyper hyperdrive, you know, seeing that classic hyperspace sequence. I I think all of that will be um, cutscene or you know not gameplay. I would be so surprised if and that's if there's multiple planets in the game. You know, I imagine I, I could also totally see a whole game that takes place on Coruscant oh, or a whole game. One yeah. one planet, yeah. yeah. So my whole so thing with that is that if you can't deliver on that, then why do you bother making an open world game? Like we just yeah. talked about Mass Effect. Mass Effect is not an open world game. Like Mass right. Effect, it's like corridors and like little sections. Like you can't just go everywhere. Uh, right. Make that. Just make just make a star. Like it's already very Star Warsy. Just make. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's ex Bioware developers out there that you can pick up, but make a Mass Effect game in the Star Wars universe and that's it like yeah. that's I would rather have that than a half-ass open world game that doesn't even give you what you really want from the Star Wars open world so if you can't do that Ubisoft don't bother yeah I don't want to listen see it to us. damn yes. it <laughs> I know you're listening Ubisoft listen to yeah. me <laughs> I don't know um, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about this uh open world I was star wars game. really surprised that i went to ubisoft like with rogue squad or uh, star wars squadrons coming out like i heard that was a very very good game like how i mean yeah. ea hasn't done like i mean they made like so many good star wars games well, I think it like the history with Star Wars and EA has been mixed because they've also canceled some projects. Like there was like a Star Wars thirteen thirteen um, that the, was supposed to be kind of even like the Uncharted version or uh, an Uncharted like game, for, but in the Star Wars universe yeah. that was canceled. Uh, there was, I think, another project that 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 was canceled. Uh, Battlefront like Battle, Battlefront Two, yeah, yeah, it was much maligned, yeah. especially when it came out and it had a lot of microtransactions. Um, so there was some good. stuff stuff like jedi fallen order is a good game and i hope respawn still continues that franchise but so ea will still make star wars games right like right. They're, yeah. they're they haven't yeah. lost the they, they haven't they lost the license lost the they just yeah so hopefully that still continues but i could see why disney looked at the whole thing and maybe even ea because it was it was such a hard like license to to deal with like star wars comes with a lot it's a big burden to have you know yeah. like especially with the fanboys and that follows it and i think that maybe both disney and ea just felt like 
it was time to go uh, partially separate ways. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I'm sure there someone at at uh, th- there's a team at EA. Um, I forget what's the team that does uh, Battlefront. Anyway, there I'm sure there are people working on Battlefront Dice, three right now, right? Is it Dice? I think so. It's, it's the, so it's the same team that does Battle uh, Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would make sense. So. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I'm sure they're working on Battlefront 3 right now. I bet we get a Battlefront 3 announcement at E3 this year or whatever happens this year. If there's, you know, the inauguration is Wednesday. So if if time continues to exist past Wednesday. The U.S. um, is still around. Yeah. E3 is the next big thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Real quick, I'll just mention um, Super Mario World, the theme park, Super Mario World. Uh, the opening of that in Japan has been delayed because of COVID. Who could have seen this coming? Shocker. I'm surprised they even like were going forward yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, when I mean, I... I, I know it's a different situation in Japan. They didn't botch this yeah. whole pandemic, not to get into that whole thing. But uh, I imagine that maybe it, it's it's a bit of a bet, better. They're in a better place to open something like that. But it still felt a little premature. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I just wanted to mention that. Um, Bowser's Fury is a new game coming out soon. Uh, it is a so they are re-releasing Super Mario 3D World, uh, which was a Wii U game that I adored. Uh, they are re-releasing this on Switch in April, I believe. Is that right? I uh, February. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and they are adding a. Uh, I'm a little kind confused. Of, uh, Didn't they already re-release this for Switch? Isn't there a super that you're talking about the game where it's like, it's four players or it's geared towards four players? Is that what you're talking? Yeah, about? it can. It has be, not, yeah, that has not yeah. come out on Switch. This is the they're releasing a delay. I'm surprised it's taken this long to be honest with you. But yeah, this is the first release of the Wii U version. Yeah, this is part of their kind of 35th anniversary. Wait, then what the Mario. hell did I buy? Super Mario's Deluxe <laughs> U? What is this? <laughs> is that not know, the dude. game? <laughs> that's, oh, that's Mario is Deluxe? New Super Mario Deluxe? New Super Mario's Bros U Deluxe. That's not that's the same That's a side-scroller. No, that's a side-scroller. The one we're talking about is 3D. Oh, okay. Um, but not as 3D as... <laughs> As Mario Galaxy or or you know Mario sixty two and a half D. It's yeah, um, but but this so okay. Let's t- let's t- rewind. Let's talk a little bit about Super Mario three D World. This was a game for Wii U that I think not enough people played because not enough people had Wii U's. Obviously, um, but I think uh, there are a lot of things about this game that were amazing and i wish more people had played it honestly super mario 3d world is a fantastic fucking game and i'm so excited that it's going to be on switch now um for more people to play it i hope that you guys consider checking this one out um it is a fantastic game i dare say it's better than super mario odyssey um Mm. different experiences but i i Mm. think it's a better game overall um wow that's crazy yeah that was my favorite that's probably my favorite switch game of all time so um and mario odyssey has good things about it there i think it's i think it's fundamentally flawed 
because you can kick a rock and, and get a, a moon. And then you have, there's some moons that you have to do these crazy challenges, but also you can just kick that rock over there. Oh, there's a moon in there. Anyway, that's, I'm not going to rant about Mario Odyssey here, but <laughs> um, the, the, what they're kind of tacking onto this re-release is a new, uh, I guess, expansion. I don't know what to call this because it's not, it's, it's packed in with the game. It's not DLC, but yeah. it's a it's a new addition called Bowser's Fury. And okay, what this looks like. So so they had announced this a few months ago um, and then kind of went dark on it for a while. And this trailer just came out in the past week um, showing off what this is. And it looks like kind of, and here we go, kind of the theme of the of the day. It looks like an open world um mario game in some yeah. ways um, it's a sandbox it's like a it's, it's like yeah. a, a new mario odyssey kingdom almost like yeah like it's, it's a it's a large contiguous region with just stuff to do and and shines to collect basically um if you had and, just showed me this uh, like without any context, just the video, I would have been like, "Oh, is that the new Super Mario game? Like, is that the, did they announce that? Like, yeah. is that Odyssey two? Uh, um, it looks like or a yeah, continuing... like an add on DLC to Odyssey, yeah. Oh yeah, like at least yeah. an add on DLC to to Odyssey. Like, it looks completely different from from the game main game, and I'm kind of excited for it because I wonder if this is like Nintendo kind of pushed like throwing around ideas and uh, this will eventually lead to like the actual odyssey 2 sequel whatever is the next 3d yeah. mario world like is this is this maybe like a baseline for it i don't know it could, it could that, be maybe not but who knows that was the exact thought i had like are they testing the waters here like are they are they putting this thing out to kind of see if this is a viable direction for whatever like you said whatever the next whether it's odyssey 2 or the next kind of mainline 3d mario game that's exactly the thought that i had um so check it out if you haven't seen that trailer go check it out it's super rad so um, super saiyan cat mario at the end yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and then it's like they find way new ways to just make everything bigger and more bombastic within the within the uh mario 3d world i, I was really i kind of want to say oh sorry go ahead daniel no go ahead just real quick, I wonder if this is like a homage of sorts to, uh, I don't know if you guys played Sonic Adventure, but literally the final boss in that game is exactly like Bowser is in this thing. And like, obviously, like Sonic turns into like Super Sonic, which is like a Super Saiyan Sonic. Like, I thought of that boss fight. Like, it felt, even really? the music had the, like this cheesy, like rock, like they, they put that yeah. in the trailer. And I... Uh, I don't know if it's some sort of so, weird homage to that. Okay, that's that's interesting that you had that thought. You want to know the thought that I had when I first saw this gigantic Bowser in the distance was the final boss battle in Yoshi's Island, when it's 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 baby uh, Bowser at that time, yeah. but he's he's enormous. He's in the distance, and you're throwing eggs like miles away at him. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, interesting that we had different. Uh, wasn't that, so, I feel like the, it reminds me a little bit of, not to go back to Odyssey, but wasn't there a gigantic like octopus boss in that game that was kind of like you, you're flying around the water? Doing, or am I making that up? I might be thinking of a different game, but I see, I seem to remember something like that. Is that the soup, the food kingdom boss? Might be Possibly. the food kingdom boss. There's, there is a big squid in Mario Sunshine that you pull his tentacles off. Ghost, it's yeah. pretty 
pretty gnarly. Yeah, you just yeah. pull those things out. Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor squid. Um. Anyway, so that that trailer is really cool. Like I said, go check it out. Um. New Pokemon Snap. My wife was so. My wife, who is not would would not describe herself as a gamer at all, um, but grew up with a Nintendo sixty four and loved Pokemon Snap. So she is super stoked on this one. New Pokemon Snap has finally been given a release date, April thirtieth. It got a new trailer too, which didn't really show that much. It it was kind of just uh, a bunch of pictures being taken of Pokemon, which I guess is what that game is anyway. So um, this is, but it looks like it's still on rails, right? Like you, you're still in like that yeah, little car. You're still in a little car, thing. yeah, little little cart riding around on on rails. Um, I imagine the gameplay will be pretty much similar, if not, you know, a mirror of of what the original Pokemon Snap was. I imagine we maybe need they... this when we have Pokemon Go. I mean, isn't that like the real life version of this? <laughs> Do we need any video games when we have Pokemon Go? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um i i i'm excited for this i think oh i I was gonna say i think maybe if they uh kind of give you the switch and let you move it around to to aim the camera that'd be cool motion controls daniel you're shaking your head no no dice on motion controls uh as long as they're not mandatory yeah agreed agreed um but anyway that looks that looks fine that looks fun i'm excited for that um probably buy it yeah, I'll probably buy it. <laughs> oh, a Switch game? Yeah, I'll probably buy that. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, this is kind of uh, a bigger topic that I want to address. Um, going back to Cyberpunk 2077, um, a game that pretty much can be characterized by saying it has been a disaster. Um, a, da- a, a disaster of a launch? A disaster of a product? Um, but also a disaster of a development cycle um, by all accounts. Uh, so there are a couple things here that I want to talk about. The first is um, CD Projekt Red put out a video in the past week that um, kind of goes over. I, I won't talk too much about this, but it it basically kind of makes excuses, I want to say, um, for the state of of Cyberpunk 2077 at launch, um, and does put forward a plan that they are going to uh, put into place to kind of rectify the situation. Um, Can I interrupt for a second and say I've kind of been out of the loop on this, but my favorite part about this whole thing is when they put out a statement saying, okay, anybody who wants a refund on PlayStation can get it. And then Sony was like, "Um, no. What the fuck? (laughs) That that's not a thing. <laughs> Fuck yeah, um, yeah. I, like, okay. So they're they are trying to salvage this situation, um, and I think some of what they've done they've they've put out a roadmap of what they um, are planning on releasing in terms of updates and patches going into 2021 and even a, a little bit in 2022. Um, if you take a look at that roadmap, what what they've basically done is they've changed the their prioritization. So they're which which I think they have to. They have no other choice. But they have now kind of reprioritized to focus on bug fixes and patching the game to get it into a playable state on older gen consoles. Um, I think it's a it's 
it's unfathomable to me that the game which was announced in i think 2012 really um, when it was announced yeah i, yeah. I want to say it was it was it was a long ass time ago um and i don't think they had even really started work on it um and we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit um but i cannot believe that a game that was announced before the ps4 and xbox one generation the old what we'll call the old generation um before those consoles were out this game was announced for those consoles and then released on those consoles and damn near unplayable um yeah. and i think there's look there's people worked very very hard on this game um and in in awful conditions and it sucks for them because this is a case of poor management um poor uh management of expectations and i think it's it sucks because so this is this is the studio this is the publisher that put out the witcher 3 which is in, in many regards you know people look at that game as one of the best open world games of all time um and so I'll, I'll tell you that um one of the things about the witcher 3 though so i don't you can tell me more about cd project red are they are they kind of like an indie studio i mean I, or or is it just that they're located where they're located makes me think they're an indie studio <laughs> or the weird so way they, they approach things makes me think they're, they're an indie studio because my i feel like there were a lot of complaints when The Witcher 3 first came out about like the movement, the technical issues, and they, to to be fair to CD Projekt Red, they corrected a lot of, addressed a lot of those issues over time. And yeah. they they also added a lot of free stuff to that game. Um, yeah. they, I so, think they so, added a different movement mode too for people who complained yeah. about the way the movement worked. They did, yeah. Um. So, okay, CD Projekt Red started out as a very small you might say indie studio um they they won the rights to or, or uh basically got the rights to make the first witcher game um which is a series of novels by a polish author they are a polish development studio i imagine that is how that came about i don't know for sure but i'm i'm i imagine that the fact that they're both from poland um explains why they got that that license back when it was the witcher one which at the time they were of a smaller studio the witcher one was much smaller in scope than the witcher three and and even the witcher two um and i think since they they continued to grow and expand throughout the development of the witcher one and two that by the time they got to the witcher three they were basically the size of what we would consider to be a triple a AAA studio um which is why they were able to do the things that they did on the witcher 3 so the expectations going into um going into cyberpunk 2077 were very high based on what they had done with the witcher 3 and based on what they were coming out and saying about the game um and of course you know it's it it ended up being what it is which is like i said a disaster um they so like I said before they they put out this roadmap they are they are uh, 
patching the game, doing these bug fixes. Um, I and then they're get they're they're kind of they pushed their DLC back to address the core game, which when like at when when you look at that, it's like fucking duh. Like of course you do. You know this is a game that like I said, they put it out on, on the console that they that they were originally developing for. It was unplayable. I don't think that that's excusable. And it's I, I, I as as somebody who makes video games, I will tell you it's fucking hard to make video games. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. And when you're making a game of that scale and that scope, it is an incredibly daunting task with a lot of people working a lot of, you know, doing a lot of different work. Um, I think that where they fucked up is in managing those expectations, like I said, and maybe overpromising. And um, and you've also got to consider their investors who are constantly knocking on the door saying, when is this thing going to be ready? When are we going to see the return on our investment? Um, I kind of also feeding into this or, or to, um, to go along with this, Jason Schreier is a writer. Uh, he used to write for Kotaku. Is he still, is he still writing for Kotaku at all? Or, cause I know he kind of no. left but he doesn't write for them at all because this, this article came so. out in Bloomberg. Yeah. He works for Bloomberg now, I believe. Okay. So, um, so this article, he wrote this article for Bloomberg um, that was basically kind of like an expose on the working conditions and the culture at CD project red, which sounds like the, this is the story that we've heard many times. Crunch culture is real. Um, oftentimes it's not, the, the, it's not mandatory that these people work um, overtime, um, but they it's feel quote unquote not mandatory. Right, right. That when everybody is doing it, you don't want to be the guy to go home early, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's sad. Go check out that article. It's on Bloomberg. Um, he's got interviews with uh, everybody. For the most part, remains anonymous, but he's got interviews with some of the devs that were there, um, either through the launch of, of Cyberpunk 2077, or they were there um, for a while and then for whatever reason um, left or, or were fired. Um, <clears throat> and it's just sad because I think that it's, it's been shown that crunch does not actually lead to a better game. And I think this is going to be the game that everybody points to in the future. And it needs to be the game that people point to when they... Um, argue for better and fight for better working conditions and better uh and and look at the culture of of crunch and how it affects not just the people working on the game but the quality of the game itself yeah. um which makes sense right because like the thing is is that there's so there's only so much productivity you can get out of a human being like eventually like if if you stop if you start working them like 20 hours a day eventually your actual body and mind is going to collapse to the point that you're not going to be able to do the same quality work that you do if you just work eight hours a day or five hours a day people will um, just cut it, corners and honestly good for exactly. that exactly <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get to a point where where you're just gonna cut quarters. Like even 
editing podcasts. Like I just recently started editing podcasts and I got to a point where like I messed up and I had to go back and like after working five hours, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mute this microphone noise anymore. I'm just going to like focus on the actual like, like uh, issues that need to be edited out because fuck this shit. And that's like me working on like five hours. Imagine 20 hours on game development. Like your brain isn't going to want to actually do the quality work. And there's already been studies showcasing that you know even lessening 40 hours to 35 hours on a work week you still get more productivity because yeah. people are happier and they're they're more willing to to do more work so i this needs to go and i don't know yeah, how you don't gonna... get the special people who are on the top of society that can work for 80 hours and maintain yeah your elon musk saying that oh you need to work 80 hours a week to truly yeah. be happy like fuck you um again I, I don't know what the solution to this is but i think it probably starts with union uh union unionizing uh, uh some of these um you know unionizing the industry in general i think yeah. uh unions and video games um as a whole even in in what game development or in journalism like it's still it, there's still long ways to go for them to actually be able to to create um an apparatus where people can actually get a quality uh like a good work life balance because these these developers and these publishers are just running these people into the ground yeah there are stories in this article of people saying that they they had been working 13 hour days for weeks you know um which is like i mean yeah as when you think about like when you think about working 13 hour days for weeks how can how can you even remotely expect to get anything done you're not at, at that point you're not sleeping you're not resting um yeah so um it it sucks. I hope that this spotlight. Oh, um, one of the uh, top guys at CD Projekt Red did respond to this, um, and uh, respond to Schreier's article, which uh, was kind of the same bullshit. It was like, oh, your sources are anonymous, kind of some Trump shit. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. it's it was a very weak kind of empty. Your sources um, are anonymous. You should definitely believe the PR office at our. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's sad because I think nobody gets into games. I hope nobody gets into game development because they think they're going to make a lot of money. Um, the people that work on games work on games because they love working on games. And for them to be taken advantage of in this way and for their work, for their labor to be so undervalued just fucking sucks like it's 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 sad it breaks my heart uh i hope that these people um like i said that the the spotlight that this all has put on not just crunch at cd project red but at at on crunch as a general culture in the industry i hope that it can be um i hope that this leads to change um who knows whether it will so we've 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 seen these stories before. This isn't the first time that we've seen this happen. Um, maybe, I think this is probably to this magnitude on a game that was uh, anticipated this highly. I think this is the the biggest shit show that we've ever seen. Um, but but yeah, I, I hope this changes. Um, I'm just gonna read Jason Schreier's tweet because uh, the article is behind a paywall. Um, but you might be able to get it if you. I think they allow you like five free articles or something like that. But I'm gonna read the tweet uh, that Jason Schreier put up uh, leading into the article. 
Um, so he says, what went wrong with Cyberpunk 2077? Interviews with more than 20 current and former CD Projekt uh, staff paint a complex picture. Unchecked ambition, technical woes, unrealistic deadline, uh, deadlines, and above all, one belief. And this is a quote. We made The Witcher 3. It'll work out. <laughs> Dude. Can you imagine going into a project with that mentality? Just... I yeah that sucks and and the thing is you know that that was something that was being said by supervisors by managers you know we made we made the Witcher three of course you're gonna pull a thirteen hour day tomorrow you know Ugh. Yep. you're just, saying it was said by people who didn't actually make the Witcher three <laughs> yeah right yeah um so yeah I it's again I. I feel like I'm belaboring this a little bit, but I, I just, this, it sucks so fucking much that for what, what should be something that people do, you know, they, they need to make money. This is not, I'm not saying that, um, that, uh, it's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying the passion is there. These people are passionate about what they do or else they wouldn't be doing it. Um, and not that they're doing it for the money, but they need to be, they need to be, they're being compensated. That's not what it's about. But they, they're, they're, the value of their labor needs to be uh, assessed correctly. You know, um, these are people who are working, who who do things that that are not easy, and uh, for for them to be treated this way, it can't. It's got to stop. You know, these are people who made the goddamn Witcher three. Treat them better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they deserve our respect. Yeah. And nobody wins, right? Like uh, the developers certainly don't win because they work so yeah. hard on what is ultimately still a pretty unfinished pro project because they didn't have the time to finish it. Uh, the publishers listened to the investors instead and put this thing out as a train wreck. And I, I probably a lot, there's probably a lot of gamers that probably blame the developers uh, because that's just the right. instinct first and foremost. Lazy so the devs. blame doesn't, yeah, the blame doesn't even get cast around um, adequately. And then we don't win because what, what should have been a major release of what, uh, you know, should have been another pinnacle of open world games or, or, um, or role-playing games ended up being a disaster for most people like yeah there's probably a couple of people that own a high-end pc that uh, could, could run this game uh and it looks great but for the people that uh, most people are probably buying it on a ps4 or an xbox one and it's a train wreck and that's how yeah. they experience that game and it's nobody wins um invest yeah. even the investors because investors, i think cd project lost a lot of money after their, this. their stock value went down 30 percent yeah after the release so, so. Yeah, so um, it sucks. I, I, we can only hope that it it gets better from here, and that, uh, like, like you said, union, unionization and just just more respect. Uh, Do we know how much of the crunch was only due to dicks? <laughs> like the dick at least physics? fifty percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I have not played the game, but I hear there's plenty of dick. If that's what you're into, maybe check it out. Well, actually, don't you? Uh, there's not actual dick. You can like it's metaphorical dick, right? Like you can make your dick bigger, but you don't actually ever see. Oh, well, there's well, no, there's oh, so what I what I heard was there's oh, a lot right. of dildos. Okay. There's a lot of dildos, a lot of a lot of just phallic imagery in general. Okay, so maybe the crunch is okay sometimes. Yeah, is what we're getting <laughs> when right. it's worth it. Yeah. yeah.
with that, everybody, thank you very much. We'll call it a day right there. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to this first episode. Uh, I'm happy to have been joined by my good friends from the Friendly Reminder podcast. Please go listen to that if you don't already. You probably do if you're listening to this. Um, Daniel, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Zach. This is amazing. This is really fun. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Gus, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to being part of this going forward. And to all of you at home listening, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was a really fun thing to do. This will be a monthly podcast. So this is for the month of January 2020. 2021. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 2021. No. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> 2021. January 2021. So we'll be back in February. Um at which point we will have a new president. Things will be brighter, sunny skies, February, 2021. Look forward to listening to another episode of Fuck, I Forgot to Save. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.